Hello and welcome. It's Texans All Access, the program keeping you up to date on your Houston Texans. I'm Mark Vandermeer with you this evening. John McClain will join us in just a moment here. A lot to cover tonight. We are inside NRG Stadium, across the hallway from the locker room, the trainer's room, near the weight room, which is being revamped under new strength and rehabilitation coach Luke Richardson, who came over from the Denver Broncos. Man, they're really doing a lot to that weight room, and I'm sure Bill O'Brien will talk about that when off-season conditioning gets going April 16th. Everybody's looking forward to that. We've discussed that previously. News and notes, Joe Webb signs with the Texans, quarterback. So much fun to watch at UAB. You might remember when the Cougs were in Conference USA with UAB and Joe Webb was playing in that league. And in this league, he stuck around because he can play special teams and offense. He can play other stuff than quarterback, but he can still play some quarterback for you. So it'll be really interesting to see how the Texans use Joe Webb when he gets into the building and they start implementing this new offense. The general and I will talk about what they're going to do with this offense, if anything. Yeah, they're going to do some stuff. And the Wall Street Journal story, I'm not really going to talk about that tonight because this program's about football and fun and keeping it light, really, and keeping it X's and O's as much as possible. I'm just, I know I'm going to be asked about this when I'm on with Seth and Mike on Sports Radio 610 Friday morning. The headline misrepresentation of what this story is just really bothers me, and I can elaborate on this later. But, I mean, Mr. McNair, to say that it's just an apology retraction without saying that he says he was talking about the league office and not the players, it makes it sound like he's telling the players to go pound sand. That's not true. I mean, he says he was talking about the league office when he made those comments at the owners meeting in the fall and to just say that he's retracting an apology just makes it sound like he's out to get the players or something or out against the players and that's that's bad it's clickbait really and it's i get clickbait we all do it we all do but when you do clickbait and it hurts someone's reputation i just think it's wrong that's my personal opinion anyway we will talk more about that as the days progress. I'm sure you've heard enough of it today. Let's talk some football here with the general from the Houston Chronicle, John McClain. How's it going, John? Mark, I couldn't be better. How are you? Doing very well. Here to talk about football tonight. We're going to talk about football this evening because we could all use a little football talk. And General John Harris and I last night were going over the Texans' depth chart as we see it right now. And I really don't think that it's going to change all that much based on the draft, right? Because if it would, you would say they're drafting a starter, an immediate starter. I mean, I'd love them to draft several starters, but down the line, an immediate starter I think is doubtful unless there are wholesale injuries that we don't know about right now. Let's knock wood that uh, they're healthy or they're going to be healthy opening day. Your thoughts on that, though, the likelihood of drafting somebody who starts opening day barring injury? I turned in another mock draft number seven, Aaron Wilson. I've been doing them every week. Seven. And uh, we'll do them right up till the to the day of the draft. And I do every week a left tackle to start off. And so we saw Charles Spencer win the left tackle job immediately in 2006, a third-round pick. So I'm not saying it's out of the question. If they did, then Julian Davenport would probably move to right tackle or – the first pick in the third round could move to – he could start at right tackle because you got hmm. Chantrell Henderson who start, started one game in two years. You got Kendall Lamb. I don't think he's going to start. And maybe if Derek Newton came back the way he was before surgery on two legs and played the way he used to, of course he would start. 
but they don't know if Derek could come back, what level, could play guard, could play tackle, so that's an if. But I think there's a good chance when you consider Davenport with two starts in his career and Henderson with 27 but only won the last two years are your starters. There is a chance for a rookie to do that. Now, I have a story on our website that's HoustonChronicle.com slash TXSN, and we're writing special stories for that. And I did one on Brian Gain talking about scouting offensive tackles today compared to the way it used to be when all of them played in a three-point stance. Today, so many play in a two-point stance. And when you are scouting them, what you have to look for based on the style of play you have. And, of course, they're having to scout them. They're not going to say we're taking a left tackle or we're using a pick in the third round on a tackle, but we know they will. And um, so I think the left tackle, um, there's a chance that, because of need, he could start, whether it's right or left side. And then um, could a safety come in here and beat out Andre Howe? Um, There's so many corners. No corner is going to step in and start as a rookie, I don't think. Defensive line, you got your big three. I still think they need another defensive lineman. In fact, one of my three third-round picks this week, I'm not going to tell you, oh, you'd have to go to my mock draft tomorrow and see, is a defensive end. I've done that a couple of times because they don't, you know, if you look at the Texans, you got J.J. coming back, Christian coming back uh, off injuries, Raiders the nose tackle. The Brandon Dunn, they said, played a lot better at the end of last year when he played, but you still, you need another one. Got Joel Heath, Angelo Blackson still on the roster. I think if Joel stays healthy, he's pretty good, too. You know, it's it really is difficult. You're right. They're going to get some rookies in here, maybe a draft choice, maybe not. Watkins is going to come back, so we'll see how that plays out. I think there's some validity to what you say. Now, back to the O-line here for a moment. What did you make, in, make out of Bill O'Brien's comments on Derek Newton? You know, I like to interpret what he says about injuries ahead of schedule. He said he's worked very hard to get back, but he was noncommittal about when that might occur. Bill has not changed what he said about Derek Newton going back to the middle of last season, how hard he works. He's in there every day. He's there early in the morning, leaves at night, mm-hmm. and he has not changed it. And I've been told that Derek has totally changed his body, that he looks, you know, he was, always, he was 6'6", 315, 320, and the fact that he, he couldn't, doing things with his legs for so long he didn't gain weight and so that shows a lot of discipline he wants to come back and when they get out in OTAs if he can run around that's great but until he puts on the pads and plays some in preseason they're not going to know and then they'll have a better idea of just how far along he is what a great deal for the Texans it would be if Derek could indeed come back but that could not have any effect on the draft it's like Brian told me he said just because we signed offensive linemen and defensive backs doesn't mean we won't draft those positions. And um, and so um, I, of the positions that could start, you know, it took Cunningham a while, but he was a two. It took Watson one right. game. He was a one. Brian did not rule out the possibility. He said, we're wide open with those three third-round picks. If somebody at the end of the second round wanted to deal – and there was a guy they had to have, then he would package a deal and move up. He also said there's a possibility when you've got the fourth pick in the third round that that might be valuable for somebody, and maybe he would trade down and get an extra pick. You know, you got three in the sixth. You got everything but a, what, a fifth? 
got a four, three threes, a four, right. three sixes, and a seven eight overall. And uh, that, so that's a possibility he could go into the second round or down in the third. Well, you brought up a lot of stuff right there, and I think it's interesting when you look at the end of the second round, if there's somebody there, could they move up? There's so many teams with a couple of second-round picks, so you could see them maybe moving back and stockpiling for next year or deeper in this draft because it is a deep draft in a bunch of positions. Running back is one, and you brought up 2006 when Charles Spencer was taken top of the third round along with Eric Winston back-to-back, and Spencer was a tab starter, a decade starter from day one. Injuries derailed him. Wally Lundy actually started opening day for the team. He was the sixth-round draft choice at running back. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and they were desperate. Yeah, they were. <laughs> no they were offense to Wally. Mm-hmm. But the Texans need this year, as we've said for weeks now, a third back who can run, is quick, who can catch. If he could return, that's great. Well, that's what Tyler Irvin was supposed to do. And mm-hmm. Tyler didn't do it as a rookie. blew out his knee last year and was gone all year. Maybe he'll come back and make and be that guy. You know, Alfred Blue, I know, would like to come back, but I don't think Alfred's what they're looking for. Now, you just got to have somebody that's different from Foreman and uh, uh, Miller. And I thought it was interesting when Bill O'Brien said at the NFL meetings, the first time he'd said Foreman's supposed to be back for the start of camp. Yeah. We hadn't heard that. We, he didn't say he's ahead of schedule, but that must be on schedule. The only two that I've heard him say ahead of schedule – or Watson and Watt. Yep, he raved about Watt's uh, work ethic, and that's nothing new. We all knew about this. This is information that's already been recorded. All right, let me get your take on this, because Deshaun Watson, we all saw what he did. We've talked about it a lot. What about the offseason and the defensive coordinator scouting and looking over the tape and trying to find ways to stop Watson? What's your reaction to what Bill O'Brien said about retooling, rebuilding, restarting this offense, starting from scratch? They're going to run the wishbone. No, they're not. But stuff like that, what's your reaction? I'm glad you brought that up because two national media outlets have made a big deal out of Bill saying he's going to change the offense. So what is he going to do, go to the veer, the wishbone? Why would Bill O'Brien, a smart guy who went to Brown, change an offense in which the quarterback was on a pace for 43 touchdown passes and they were averaging 34 points in his six starts and 39 in his last five. Why would he change it? Well, number one, what could he change? They're already multiple. They play multiple tight ends, multiple receivers. They got the Wildcat. They play linemen at the line. They play linemen as tight ends. They have multiple running backs. They do motion, reverses. So what are they going to change to? What he meant was and I'm guessing he's not going to the Veer, the Wishbone, or the Wildcat full-time, is because teams have seen Deshaun now Mm -hmm. that they will add wrinkles. And one of the things that that I like about O'Brien, he talked about this a lot in the past, because he had a quarterback with Watson's skill set, he asked his coaches, offense, defense, he asked Watson, think back to when you saw – or coached or coached against a quarterback with this kind of skill set. And if you can remember a play or a formation that stood out to you, let me know. We'll study it. We'll run it by Deshaun. So they were always looking for ways to be creative. And when I've gone back to look at Watson's touchdowns and big plays on HoustonTexans.com, of course, um, some of the things they did in the backfield with faking and people in motion was so creative. Now, are they going to stop that because the defensive guys were running in all directions like 
Keystone cops and Watson was throwing the ball down the field. Plus, a lot of things Deshaun does are instinctive. And I asked Mike Vrabel at the owners' meetings, and I wrote this last week, if because of what you know about Watson, you saw him every day in practice, will that help you stop him? He said he does things that Billy and Sean Ryan can't draw up. He says he does things that we're like, just because you know him and you've seen him doesn't mean you can stop him. He talked about what a challenge it's going to be. And he said, when Deshaun had the ball, we thought the play was not over. When he was in the game, we thought the game is not over as long as he had the ball. And I think most of us, all of us thought that based on what we saw. So there's no way Bill O'Brien is changing his offense. He's just looking for different things to try. He reminds me, and Vrabel said the same thing. Where does this come from? Bill said, we got to forget about last season. What, yep. what we did last season has got nothing to do with this season. Vrabel goes, what the Titans did last season has got nothing to do with this season. You start over every year, start from scratch. Well, where did they get that from? Uh, Belichick. Right. But I think Belichick is right about this. I think that's an NFL truism. There's no question that year to year things change and injuries. And, boy, the Patriots, you want to talk about change. We'll get to them in a later segment. Uh, back to the offense here for a moment, John. The plan at tight end. Because they cannot be done. You know, Zach Conk, I don't think, is going to get a ton of playing time. But you never know. You never know who emerges from. Hey, Jack Doyle was claimed on waiver. Uh, exactly. So you could have somebody like that surface and be very productive. But with Ryan Griffin and Steven Anderson coming back, you have to figure they're going to draft somebody. Maybe another veteran comes it's in at be some a blocking, point. A draft pick who's a blocker. And I'm glad you brought that up, Mark, because I'll be writing about that next week about <laughs> – um, Brian Gain talking about scouting tight ends today because of the way the colleges play. And if you are, since you have Ryan Griffin, who's a good receiver and a willing blocker, and Steven Anderson is really an H-back. He's a receiver, not a blocker. It stands to reason you're looking for a C.J. Fedorowicz type, which would be a bigger guy who can block and has a chance to catch, be developed. Well, the problem is colleges don't put those guys out. So, does it make you take two, one blocker and one receiver? Or, and this was very interesting what he said, and I can't wait to write this next week. He was talking about uh, the things you look for, the intangibles, the size, weight, speed, coachability, football character, and all those things, as opposed to, to, and, and a lot of that will have to do with, is he a willing blocker? Is he a tough guy? Will mm-hmm. he put his face in there? Will he take people on? And he may not have ever been asked to, or he may have been asked to do it very little because that offense wanted him to line up in the slot. But if you see that and you think he has the football characteristics to do that, then you then you draft him and you teach him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, just, I think it's fascinating, specifically tight end and tackle, how it's changed for scouts based on the way college programs play today. Not all of them. Stanford, Florida State, Michigan State, you know, you can get traditional guys there, but there's so many more in the pool. The general stays with us. Let's talk about a bunch of things, including but not limited to new uniforms for the Titans. No, we're not going to limit it to that. It's Texans Radio. 
Continuing on the program here from the Hyundai Texans radio studio with John McClain tonight, Mark Vandermeer with you. John, one final thought on the tight end situation, and you were mentioning how hard it is to find tight ends in today's college football landscape. Well, basketball players, that's been a pool they've dipped into. Everybody wants to find the next Antonio Gates. What about that side of it? Another example, Rico Gathers from the Cowboys who played basketball at Baylor. Baylor who I thought was crazy, never had a prayer, but they kept him on the practice squad, and they liked him. He looked like a tight end. He wasn't tall and thin. You know, he was like 6'6 six, six and 280. So there are guys out there. The Texans have not brought in those kind of guys before because there's so many tight ends. I was There's a couple. Damon Schultz at Stanford, I had Texans taking him. He's a big guy. He just looks like he'd be a blocker. And this week, I didn't have a tight end. I had a – I had the offensive tackle, a safety, and then a defensive end, but I've had a tight end just about every week. And if they don't take a tight end in the third round, I'm pretty sure it's going to be in the fourth round. All right. Continuing in no particular order, the Titans have new uniforms, but they don't look that new to me. No. They don't look that different. The font is a little bit different. I think the colors are the same, right? The font is a lot different, and they have a navy blue helmet, which they really like. I love navy blue. I love the Texans' colors. I love the bull. I love that would every, be deep steel. Everything blue. about the, the uniform, and I remember how fired-up fans were when Bob McNair unveiled it and what a big deal it was downtown. And the Titans have had this build-up. They leak a little bit, and the fans just were through the roof wanting to know, and they put on a big show downtown, brought in current flight players, former players, and when I saw them, you know, I don't pay that much attention to anybody's uniforms other than the Texans. So I'm thinking, okay, I see that blue. I see the Titans, the sword, the state flag. And I see they call it Titans blue, which is the light blue. I call it Columbia blue. It's Columbia blue. That's what I say in the broadcast. And we all uh, know that. kind of as a tribute to the past, although they told me they don't think that has anything to do with it. But I knew Bud Adams, it was important to him to have that color in there right. initially. And I'm assuming Amy Adams Strunk, Bud's daughter, who runs the show, did it as a tribute to her dad and the Oilers, but nothing was said. The Oilers were never brought up. But uh, they were happy, and I kind of liked the font. It was different, and people were critical of it, but it didn't It didn't bother me. You know, they showed Marcus Mariota wearing his number eight, and I, I looked at it, and I thought it's a little – that was the only thing I could tell. Now, that is different other than the Navy helmet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't make it hard for the announcer to read those uniforms. That's all I ask. Because some of these college teams out there, I get complaints from my friends who do college football broadcasts where you can't see the number. There's no contrast in number color or not enough in number color against the uniform color. I don't know how they do it at Baylor because at Baylor when they have these black uniforms, the names and numbers are in black, and I can't see them on high-definition TV. Yeah. So what's the point then? Don't even have numbers. No, have the numbers. I was kidding about that. Don't be like the Patriots Buy are. A program. Yeah. <laughs> well, you still well, would, just you still can't see it. Doesn't help you. Doesn't help you at all. But the Titans had a lot of fans out there for the big unveiling, so that's good for them. Mike and Vrabel's out, kind of dancing on the with stage. Florida Georgia line. Yep, it was. Uh, uh, Mike's really gotten into Nashville. I thought it was interesting. He and Jen and their boys. The year before, had gone to vacation in Nashville to see a concert. And uh-huh. so they liked it to begin with. But they put on a great show and in a music city where you have so many famous acts there. And a lot of them, they like the Titans. Predators have the best record in the NHL. The playoffs are about to begin. So they're really pumped. And that uniform thing, 
man, oh, man, I guess when the time comes that they tweak the Texans' uniforms, it'll be a huge deal, too. It'll be a huge deal. All right, so, John, how many primetime games? Well, let me phrase it this way. What team in the AFC South gets the most primetime games this year when the schedule comes out within a couple of weeks? Uh, the Jaguars with Blake Bortles. Uh, this, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no no team in the division is going to be more exciting than the Texans with Watson. Aha! And people people love Watson. He's universally respected. The league knows how they play. They know they averaged 39 points in his last five starts. Uh all of them were hurt last year except for Bortles. And uh, Mariota's been hurt every year. And so uh, if Andrew Luck was going to play 16 games, I still don't think that it would get Indy on the most games. So I'm going to say the Texans, because of Watson and Watt and the players coming back and the way they were so exciting on offense. You know, it's funny because when you play the NFC East and you're playing the defending Super Bowl champions, everybody's going to play the Cowboys – you wonder about these primetime games because Tennessee, hey, they won a playoff game. Jaguars went to the AFC Championship. You said what you said about the Texans. So whose game versus Dallas gets on primetime? Dallas will have the max, of course. They always do, no matter what the record was or will be. So it's fun stuff to discuss and to try to figure out because the Cowboys are coming here, and John Harris and I were talking about it this opening night. Do you, do you reminisce and rekindle that 2002 matchup on a Sunday night? Do you do that on NBC to start the season? You could see that as a possibility, although I would think that NBC would want to make sure that Watson was playing before they committed to that kind of thing, and the schedule's going to come out within a couple of weeks, like I said. Uh, yeah, I, I'm guessing Tuesday after this coming Tuesday. That's what, based on the past, what it would be. And that's interesting about injuries. I mean, everything we think, Deshaun's coming back. But, no offense to Brandon Whedon, they don't put a national championship game on with Brandon at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, that, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Maybe they'd be more reluctant or put the Texans on not early. Right. Put them on in the middle or later. But Jacksonville, because the Jaguars took New England to the limit to go to the Super Bowl, I would think the Jaguars would be right up there with the Texans. But they're still the Jaguars. Absolutely, They're still Jacksonville, and um, would the Texans game at Philadelphia be, be a good game to put on national TV? Will the NFC East have a national television game against the Texans? I mean, against the AFC South. I th- I think the uh, well the the NFC East will definitely have a national t- TV game or two against the AFC South. It's just a matter of which one. Well, I'm guessing one of them would be with Jacksonville and one of them would be with Houston. I mean, all those NFC East teams are good TV draws. Oh, yeah, of when course. you look at the Giants, markets, the Redskins, the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, you have all of that. There's a reason why that division is what it is. Uh, the marquee value is so strong. Uh, it's going to be fun to follow. We all love doing it. All right. Let's stick in the AFC as a whole right now. With the Patriots, it's really interesting to watch what's going on and all the losses they've had. The Cooks trade, John, what's your take on that and where the Patriots are right now? Because, yeah, they have all these draft choices, but if I'm a Patriots fan and I'm not, I'm thinking, well, what are we doing here? What's the plan? How are we going to get this thing going? Yeah, you still have number 12, but what is the not long-term plan, the short-term plan to have some success in 2018? What if you're Tom Brady and you're thinking, you let both my offensive tackles go, you let one of my clutch receivers, Danny Amendola, go, you let my best deep threat, Brandon Cooks, go. Now, Cooks has been like Sammy White with three teams in three years. There's got to be something there. There's a reason for that. 
besides just money? I don't know what it is. Everybody said, well, they didn't want to pay a wide receiver 14 to $16 million a year because they're going to have to play Gronk. He's got two years left. Gronk's unhappy. Of course it's about money. He's grossly underpaid for his production. Edelman's coming back, but he's a slot receiver. Who is the speed guy outside? Somebody said Mike Mitchell's back. They got Hogan. So what? Mm-hmm. They weren't the deep threat, a thousand yard, seven touchdown receiver like Brandon Cooks was, who personally beat the Texans on the last drive of the game. So I don't know. It's just very curious. You know, Bill Belichick gets the benefit of the doubt. Some people are acting like they're going to trade up and get the quarterback. The people I trust that cover the team said no. They got too many needs. They haven't had number one picks the last two years because of trades. They need to replenish. John RG three signs with the Ravens. Your thoughts? I'm glad he got a. I'm glad he got a job. You know, I did a story with him last year. He wanted to come here when the Texans had to have quarterbacks. He was sitting out because nobody wanted him. All he wanted was a tryout, just to show him where he was physically, to talk to them, to tell them where he was. Baltimore signed him. A great example. People are always saying, well, the backup's got to have the same skill set as the starter. Uh, no, they don't. We saw that here last year. There was nothing wrong with the the system and the play calls for Watson after he replaced Savage, and their skill set's not the same. So Griffin goes in there with Joe Flacco. It doesn't cost him any money. Um, Milet was the backup. He's unrestricted. So uh, I was happy for him. I hope he goes in there. He's just turned 28, and he'll make the most of that opportunity. Yeah, I wonder what Mallet's future is, but I don't wonder too often. Okay, let's – and I, I do root for Ryan. I really do. I, I wish him the best. I hope things work out for him. I think he's got a ton of talent. Johnny Manziel and what he said about Cleveland drafting him. I, I mean, this blows me away. You're trying to get back into the league, and then you say something like that about a team? He was doing really well in his uh, tour to try to repair his image. Mm-hmm. But he's done one too many interviews. And, you know, if you talk a lot <laughs> – you're going to say something, and he did to Dan Patrick. And in essence, Cleveland should have done its homework. He'd know I didn't study the playbook and come in, come in and sleep and sleep habits and all that. Well, I think everybody knew that anyway, but I thought it was just a stupid thing for him to say, and he's been chastised over it. Best thing I saw in there, it sounds like he's still going to go to Canada, which I've advocated from day one, go up there and play for June Jones, the coach of Hamilton, for two years, come back unrestricted at 27 after you've played well and showed everybody you're going to work hard and steady now. And uh, good for him if he does. But I think he's done enough interviews. He doesn't keep to to just keep rehashing everything. Go to Canada. Be good up there. Like you said, you're still a young man coming back with a chance to play in the league. And talk to Doug Flutie about that, who was way past 30 by the time he got back with a chance to participate in the NFL. Warren Moon was 28. When he came from Canada, 28-year-old rookie. And he's a pro football Hall of Famer, not for what he did in Canada. It has nothing to do with Canada. Although, did that come up in the conversation at all? No, no. No? I mean, let's be honest. There's a Canadian Football League Hall of Fame, and there's Pro Football Hall of Fame. There's an exchange rate. It is an NFL Hall of Fame, even though the mm-hmm. name's different. It doesn't hurt, though, to say, hey, I won five it, great cups It doesn't there. hurt him, but when I presented him, I didn't bring it up. Yeah, they all knew I about thought it. I, and honest, honestly, I thought it might be kind of consulting. It's insulting pointing out that, well, he didn't win one here, but he won five in Canada. Yeah. So I left that out. That's a good point, I guess. Yeah. I could see, I could see that. It you don't worked. need to do that. <laughs> it worked. Uh, there haven't been too many players who have been 
really good up there and really good in the NFL. It's even hard to say Flutie was really good in the NFL. He was good in the NFL and very exciting in the NFL, but not great in the NFL. No, he couldn't do here what he did up there. Cameron Wake has been really, really good for the Dolphins. So there have been some who started there and came here. Moon, of course, being the most prominent. Okay. All right, other things from around the National Football League. Anything piquing your interest this week? Because we're all waiting for the schedule, John. I mean, the schedule is is going to be key, and I think for a variety of reasons. I want to see when these games are that the Texans have to play on the road. And, look, cold weather, it sometimes is a big factor, sometimes not. Historically, the Texans have done pretty well when the temperature is below 40 or 30 degrees. Historically, I don't know if that has anything to do with what's going to happen with this team. But when you look at where they're going this year, I want to see you know how close the dates are together. When you go to Washington. Back to Foxborough. To Foxborough, to Washington, to Philadelphia, to the Jets. Those are four trips to the Northeast, and I think everybody's eager to see when they're going to sit in the schedule. Are they going to be in the back half of the season when it's colder, when you have some snow games potentially? I don't know, but we're all waiting to find out. I, I, I'm eager to that, but I'm also, of course, the draft, uh, the top of the first round. You know, there's so much going on about which quarterback will Cleveland take, and then will the Giants take a quarterback? Will they take Saquon Barkley or Bradley Chubb, or will they trade down to a team that wants a quarterback? In my latest mock draft, I have them taking one, too. Where do you have Lamar Jackson going? I have him going to uh, uh, first round Miami. Okay. Have Mayfield going to Denver and the other three. I have Darnold, Rosen, and Allen, the first three. And then I have um, Denver taking Baker Mayfield. Mayfield is more like Keenum. The offense mm-hmm. you're going to run for Case would be ideal to me to run with Mayfield. And if you wanted that, they're just similar quarterbacks. And uh, Baker's got a better arm, of course, and, and and he's supposed to be good right away. But it, I look at those two and I think, and boy, Case would be great for helping him develop, having him as a teammate. And then I had Lamar Jackson going to Miami. I've had him going to Arizona. I've had him going to Buffalo. A lot of people still think Buffalo's the team's going to trade up to get Allen or Rosen if Darnold goes to Cleveland first overall. I don't know how Cleveland can bypass, say, Barkley with that fourth pick. Oh, the, boy. The media up there is trying to do this. John Dorsey, the new general manager, comes from Green Bay. Ted Thompson, the longtime Green Bay general manager, was a protege of Ron Wolf. Ron Wolf never took it back in the first round. Therefore, Ted Thompson didn't take it back in the first round. Therefore, John Dorsey wouldn't do it. And I said, man. Man, you mm. look making is way too complicated. Barkley's the best prospect in the draft. No position helps a great a young quarterback more than a great running but back. But who's the young quarterback? Why well everybody thinks it's gonna be Darnold. They're trying to act now like it could be Josh Allen, but everything I'm hearing is Darnold and and uh, and so Barkley would help any team that had a young quarterback. So I just don't know. How can you at four pass up the best player in the draft? All right, the general stays with us, and we're going to have a little fun next segment. He's going to weigh in on our draft from last night. He might not even know what it was about. You remember, don't you? Everybody weighed in on it on social media. We'll do that next on Texans Radio. Final act tonight here on Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle joining us. Mark Vandermeer with you. Okay, let's do this. Last night and every Wednesday night prior to the draft, we do a draft of a different kind of thing, not necessarily football players. Last night, it was football movie characters, John. 
football movie characters, and John Harris allowed us to actually pick guys like Gail Sayers, who was in Brian's song, okay, or was portrayed in Brian's song by Billy D. Williams. I don't know who played him in the remake of that, but it doesn't matter because it's no good. Nobody watched it. Yeah, yeah, nobody watched it. Everyone remembers Billy D. Williams. All right, so tell me this. Who do you think is the best fictional movie, fictional quarterback, portrayed in a football movie? Because Johnny Harris went with Paul Crew, the Burt Reynolds Paul Crew, not Adam Sandler. And I think that has some uh well, Sandler's bigger than Burt Reynolds. Is he really? Yeah, Burt Reynolds is short. Well, what did he play at Florida State? Did he, did he actually play football at uh, Florida he was State? All, I don't know if that was myth or he was a backup, but no. I would, you know, I'm thinking, and everybody's all American. Dennis Quaid was the quarterback. Oh my gosh! And Dennis is a great athlete. Wait, no, 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 no. Dennis Quaid was a running back. He was, was the he? Gray Ghost. Oh, who was? The I quarterback forgot about the Gray Ghost. Who was quarterback in Everybody's All American? I don't know. Also, Friday Night Lights. Who was the quarterback? Varsity Blues. Paul Walker, I think, was a quarterback. Yeah. Um, I would have. Tra- I picked him as my coach because Wasn't he got Charlton hurt. Wasn't Charlton Heston a quarterback in the oh my Paper Lion? Oh, really? The George Plimpton story? Yep. I think Charlton Heston. Oh, I would have picked him. You want you know, Ben Hur and Moses as your quarterback? And uh, um, so I'm I'm going way back on trying to think of football movies. You know some of these other ones, man. This is and cool. uh, Brian Song, the original, still my all-time favorite sports movie. And because I would have to say Paul Crew as Adam Sandler, Adam's probably five ten, and Bert, and Burt Reynolds is not five ten. No, uh, uh-uh. boy, they've done and a good Bert, job. Burt, of course, was in both of them. There is a scene in the original Longest Yard, briefly, in which they're going to the line of scrimmage. And remember, those guys back then were like two forty, two fifty, six three. And they show, you know, you never show a shot on the ground. But there's a sideline shot just outside the offensive line that shows Reynolds under center as he walks up. Oh, my goodness. He looks like he could jump up on the center's back. (laughs) And who was what Tom Cruise played a defensive back in all the right moves, right? Yep, Stefan Georgievich. We talked uh, about him. So I'm going to, I got to go with Adam Sandler because he was throwing to Michael Irvin. Okay. A legitimate receiver. He had Nelly, who looked like a real running back. And, of course, the real reason I like Paul Crew in the Longest Yard remake is pretty obvious. Let's go with this don't now. Don't you need to say, because I'm in it, for the listeners that don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, John McClain, <laughs> that's one of the ten Hollywood movies he's in for a grand total of 37 seconds combined. Uh, actually, every time The Rookie comes on with Dennis Quaid, I have to show my wife, you know, there's the general. Every time The Longest Yard comes Surprise on, there's the general. recognize me, considering how, gonna pause how the de- much less I weighed. you got to be really good with that DVR pause yes, button. Yes, you do. You know, you got to, like, hit it almost, like, before the scene gets there. Otherwise, <laughs> you're going to miss it. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, we also have to pick a coach in our fictional football movies. Movie Jack Ward played George Hallis in uh, the original uh, Brian's song, Varsity Blues. John Voigt played it. You know, just no, but that's a player revolt. Terrible gut coach. A great high Bud school Kilmer. coach that the players hated. Uh, you remember know, you just, the Titans, Denzel Washington. Yeah, we didn't pick him, but he's great, Coach Boone. I like real Denzel life. Washington in anything, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to take Denzel Washington. Okay, yeah, nobody took him last night. You know, you just reminded me though of another football about, film, uh, uh, Odessa Permium. Yeah, Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. Um, 
My mind's gone blank. Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob did a great job based on a true character. He did. Now, um, Al Pacino. Who, who from, pick? Al Pacino was uh, Tony, oh, whatever his name God. is, was Harris's. Dennis Quaid was in that, as was the coach there. Uh, I mean, he was the quarterback at uh, any given Sunday. Yeah. Remember? Mm-hmm. And he was uh, very undersized. So didn't, what, is Dennis Quaid not that big either? No, Dennis is like 5'9". What? All these Hollywood actors. And you know what? I've actually interviewed Dennis Quaid, but he was sitting down. Andre and I, there's a there's a video on YouTube of Andre. If you Google it, if you YouTube search it, you'll see it, folks. Andre Ware and myself interviewing Dennis Quaid about the, uh, what's, the, the Schwarzwalder, Express, the, the Express. Express. Yeah, he plays the Syracuse head coach. The, Dennis Quaid is a good athlete. That's another He's one been I in a him. lot of movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things about the size, when Mark Wahlberg was signed to play in um, Invincible, Invincible, uh, people are like, my God, how could you pick him? He's so short. And that was another one I was in. And I found out nobody in Hollywood could catch football. And Wahlberg's a really good athlete, so he could catch the football. So they had a limit on how big the lineman could be. The Harold Carmichael character, 6'8", in real life. I think he was like 6'3". <laughs> so all the linemen had to be shorter and smaller because they didn't want this big discrepancy there. Yep. That's smart, though. That's how you make a movie, huh? And that and and uh, I can't believe what they do with these actors, though, to make them look taller, like Tom Cruise. All, and all the these... characters around them. You know, you see Tom Cruise getting in a fight with four or five guys, and I'm thinking, you know, these guys are all five five and five six, and they're look, you know, they look like they're all six two or six three. Larger than life personalities, folks. That's what these actors have. You reminded me, though, of another football movie I forgot about from last night. This would have come in handy. Warren Beatty in Heaven Can Wait. Oh, yeah. You know, he plays the uh, – it's not Vince Ferragamo. He a, plays whatever the Rams quarterback should be. That was a great be. one. Yeah. That was a really good one, yeah. And, That's uh, a great topic. What, that story that he occupies the body of another human being after he dies? What about – Difficult uh, to do. Oh, um, the cowboy movie. Oh, uh, North Dallas 40. Yeah, with uh, – Mac Davis. Uh, Mac da- Mac Davis. I could have picked him as well. Him playing a quarterback is Don Meredith. All right, so a few things on the way out here, General. As uh, we talk, we've talked a bunch about the Texans. We talked about the depth chart earlier. Uh, I want to come back to that for a moment. In your opinion right now, the nickel defense, we touched on it last week. I mentioned this. You have six guys going for five spots right here if everybody's healthy. When you have Kareem Jackson, Jonathan Joseph, Kevin Johnson, Andre Howe, the Honey Badger, and who am I forgetting here? Uh, Aaron Colvin, of course, who you signed as a free agent. That's a pretty good situation in that defensive backfield for the Texans. And you're going to have a couple more draft choices. Yeah, and you, and you have Batamosi coming in, and he wants to play some DB, of course. You know, you're labeled a special teams guy. That's nice. I know I'm here to make a difference on special teams, but I'd like to play in the field as well. Thank you. Don't forget Tristan Deku yep. because most rookies, most players make their biggest improvement between their first and second year, which is really going to be fun to watch Watson and Cunningham and Foreman but then watching to see what Deku, Davenport, what those guys do because Davenport has has been given going into the off-season program, he's been given a gift, a chance to start at left tackle. And so you can't count out Tristan Deku, and they're going to draft a safety and a guard. There's going to be a lot of candidates, and they hope it'll be really, really tough cuts, and they're fired up about Anthony Midget, who's been the backup DB coach now taking over for the fire John Butler. And um, 
right now, if they if they started today without any draft choices, you'd have Hal and, and the Honey Badger at safety. And, and would Aaron Colvin, the reason he came here, was they're going to give him a chance to see if he can play outside, not just inside. They got three guys that played slot corner a lot. Kareem Jackson, of course, has done it in recent years here. Colvin was as good a slot corner as there was in the NFL last year, and then the Honey Badgers done that a lot. And so that's three guys that could do it. And uh, so I'm going to say, and I'm not, I believe that Anthony Midget coming in will have a profound effect on Kevin Johnson. And the key for Kevin is can he stay healthy? And I'm going to say Kevin is going to be a starter. Okay. And then I'm going to say Colvin's going to be a starter. Uh, and then somebody else is going to play slot, maybe Kareem like he has been. So I would say those would be your five. Jonathan would be an extra DB off the bench. You know, the two things we always hate to talk about in sports, I do anyway, uh, injuries and contracts. And to me, and I hate to default to this, but it's one of those situations where I really believe if Kevin Johnson would just stay healthy, he'd be a heck of a player. It's just difficult to get that consistency you're looking for if you're not on the football field on a consistent basis. Guess what? That sounded so obvious, but it's so true. It's because it's not like he's got this backlog of ability. When he comes back from an injury, boom, he's a Pro Bowl caliber guy. He needs to be able to play to show that. I think he's got that potential. There's a reason why he's drafted in the first round. He's flashed. And then last season, he did not play well. And I think one of the reasons was he he came back and he wore a knee brace. And he was talking about how much it limited. And then he took it off. And he was grabbing and he's holding and he's committing Mm -hmm. too many penalties. I think he was trying to do too many things. Then he would get frustrated with the officials and argue that was not Kevin Johnson. I think coming back with a clear head is just as important, and I think Anthony Midget will help him do that. What do you have going on in the Chronicle? Let's see. We have mock draft number seven. I have a story today on uh, HoustonChronicle.com slash TXSN for Texas Sports Nation on Brian Gain. I'll have one Friday with Bill O'Brien talking about how you keep Deshaun Watson coaching him more to stay in the pocket but not stifling his creativity. And then uh, uh, Aaron Wilson's got stuff in there every day, and then we'll crank it up again next week. And thank you very much. There he is, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. That's going to do it for the show tonight. Galant at Night is next. Have a great evening, and go Texans.